For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of KDHL's AM Minnesota program. Boy, do we have a treat for you. We don't typically visit with Dusty Deanst on a Friday, but we get to do that today. Yep. Yesterday, we had the police chief. Today, we've got the fire chief. And I know one of the things we wanted to touch on was the drought, which is getting worse. If I'm reading your map here right, not your map, but the U.S. Drought Monitor from the Twin Cities Chanhassen office, all of Rice County is in the extreme drought category. Correct. Yep, that's a new one as of yesterday, new map. All of Rice County, all of it, a yep. portion of Goodyear, all of Steele County. It's interesting how that map runs. If you look at that, how that, that's, that just is strange because that's not the way like rainstorms move. So like they've gotten more rain, but I suppose it's where the rain has developed after it has moved through. And we know that we've missed out on some of these fronts that have come through. The, the rain has kind of developed off to our east and we miss out on them, so yeah, that they, might be part of it. They peter out before they get to us. Yep. My old neck of the woods, Fillmore County, is in the exceptional drought category. Yep. And it seems to me like they've gotten more rain down along the border, but that, again, that could be, you know, it might peter out before it gets to that part of the state as it moves east to west. Dakota. West Dakota County is entirely in the extreme drought, if I'm looking at this right. Yep, you are, and that is... Uh, Most of Lesseur. We all could verify that just by... You now, we did get... I was upwards of a half inch of rain in the last rain that went through, but that's not enough to... What we think I heard that we're seven inches plus under. I was just going to look that up as you were... Uh, coming in here, I was going to look up, see how much rain we've had for the year. Did yeah, you, I think did we're you like, check on that? I think we're like seven inches below normal is what I heard on the news, maybe just even yesterday or the day before. Now, I would have guessed more than that, to be honest. Yeah, we haven't gotten, we here haven't gotten much. We all know that certain parts of the states have, have gotten hit. And boy, am I, I'm glad there's real wood here. We, we're, It's looking good for the weekend for rain and amounts of rain, but... We've seen that coming on the radar before. Oh, gosh. Yes. What are they predicting for amounts? Well, I've heard in the inches range. Now, they're more out west than here. But, again, that's another day away. So, before we were kind of in the main highway of the rain coming up, now they move that west. Let's, let's hope, not that I don't want the west to get it, but I want us to get it. So, let's hope that uh, it shifts back east a little bit and we get a good douse. I think I heard half inch to an inch and a half were in that range, so that's that's nice. Yeah. When the entire county is in the extreme drought category and it's fall, there has to be danger of wildfires, right? Yeah, there's danger every fall. Just we all know you look at the landscape, all the, the, the fields alone are drying. They do that whether we're in a drought or not. Uh, now, 
bean fields, I think anybody could look at a bean field and say, well, that doesn't look like a fire hazard. It's not as much of a fire hazard, I guess, is how I would would uh, state it. It's as corn, corn, you're saying. Yep. Yeah, yeah corn, there's just more dust, matter corn there. Corn dust. Yeah. Yep, there, and there's more leaves. Uh, beans typically go from being green to yellow to laying on the ground. They don't hang on the plant while they're dry. Right. Uh, I have been to... The only bean field fire I truly remember was it was the combine was on fire, but we got there and the and the bean field was also on fire. But it was it was flames like you could run around with your boot and stomp them out. You didn't really need water because it's just burning on the leaves on the ground, and there's not a lot of matter in these fields on the ground because they keep them weed free. With as dry a conditions as there is probably see more combine fires right yeah you know and we had training last night and one of the one of the rotations that we had in our training was we we have some farmers on our department so they found a a video of the inner workings of combines and and pointed out spots that could be where a fire starts like bearings and then gave us the the layout as it worked with x-ray vision, if you will, to see the inside of how the the, the tumblers and all the, the mechanics of a combine works. For one thing, to keep us safe, and, and another thing that's really important is if you find an opening in a combine and, and it's, there's smoke coming out of there and you just want to put water up in there to put the fire out, you need to understand if that water is even getting to the fire because we're out in the middle of a field and we have limited water and we don't want to just waste it. So we got to understand that if you just put the nozzle up in there, it's not going to do anything. So it was it was good training, and that was just last night. So um, we have a very diverse group of firefighters, and that pays off when you have... Oh, I bet it does. Oh, I mean... The equipment that we can get into, we have people that work in factories or people that work on farms. And so if we get called to some of these things, we have some experts right on scene with us sometimes. So, um, but we are, we are, we, we're kind of gearing back up, even though this year is a little bit abnormal. We're kind of always having grass fires throughout the year. Not as, not like a spring grass fire where they're rip roaring, uh, but it's been dry enough. Uh, we go into fall, we typically do a little refresher because fall can, it's, again, knock on wood, it's typically not as bad as the spring because there is still greenness out there. And, you know, you have canary grass, sloughs, and cattails. Those aren't as volatile as they are in the spring, but it's dry. And, and canary grass sloughs now are dry and um, could support a fire. They're not, again, not the rip-roaring fires that we're used to seeing in the spring. But never say never, you get a low dew point and a high wind, and we could have a, a pretty good fire, and especially if it starts in a cornfield. Yep. We're going to visit more with Dusty Deans. Jerry had a question that he wanted me to ask the chief, and I will do that on his behalf. But first of all, we need to get our opening market report, which is brought to us by Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency in Nearstrand. He helps protect all things near and dear to you. Northland Buildings, quality post-frame construction. Head to northlandbuildings.com. 321 Fence, Faribault, specializing in top quality fences, residential and commercial properties. 
Go to 321fenceinc.com, 321fenceinc.com, and start the countdown to your next fence project. Cattle and corn are mixed on Friday morning. Soybeans are up. Hogs are down. I'm John Perkins with a Brownfield Market Update. The path to higher yields is now at your fingertips. Download the Stein Seed app today and access valuable in-depth agronomic information, their seed lineups, and more. Soybeans are modestly higher this morning, oversold and due for a bounce with some help from strong domestic crush demand. The trade is watching the probable harvest delays and some yield reports. November beans are up two at 12.95 and three quarters. January is one and three quarters higher at 13.12 and a half. October bean meal is down $1.50 at 388.80. October soybean oils up 74 points at 60.39. Corn's mixed, mostly fractionally higher. It's expecting uh, near-term harvest delays in parts of the Midwest and Plains, along with and, uh, keeping an eye on anecdotal yields as well. Planning conditions in South America are mixed, with parts of Argentina and Brazil too dry. December corn's up a quarter at 475.5. March is a half higher at 490.5. And wheat's firm finding some buying interest, but any upside will be limited by slow export demand. There's a little bit of support from dry weather in Argentina and Australia. December Chicago's up 3.5 at 5.79 and a quarter. Cotton's down on harvest pressure and questions about demand. December's 31 lower at 86.16. March is down 30 at 86.97. Rice is mixed, adjusting spreads. November's a half higher at 15.80. January's up a penny at 16.10. Live cattle are up and feeders are mixed. Head of this afternoon's cattle on feeder port from the USDA. October live's a dollar and a dime higher at 186.07. December's up 90 at 190.40. October feeders are 62 higher at 258.40. November's down to 10 cents at 262.60. And hogs are lower with uh, on the recent trend in pork. October's down to $1.22 at 81.72. December leans 207 lower at 72.40. Uh, crude oil's up solidly. John Perkins, Brown. AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. Others that bring you our opening market report include Community Co-op Oil Association in Faribault. Everyone welcome to be part of that company. They've been around since 1925 in TNW towing your hazmat spill restoration experts. I know we're talking about the drought here that we're experiencing in well, not only in Minnesota, but in Faribault specifically and in Rice County specifically with our emergency management director for the city of Faribault and uh, fire chief Dusty Deanst. He's with us in studio today. He's looking up the uh, annual it's precipitation marks here. And According to the DNR, this is saying at this point, now, now keep in mind this is for the whole year. That includes yep. the snow and the winter. Yeah. So we're all we're behind. If this will slide and cooperate, <laughs> three. It's not cooperating. Looks like about five five inches, uh, which is kind of on track with what I heard at seven. Now, granted, again, like you said, it was a lot of it was when it really it it still made a difference in January and February. Oh, just snow. think of where we'd be if we didn't have that. Yeah, correct. Um, the, but since May, I'm guessing if we had three inches, I'd be surprised. Yeah, the driest year, this is interesting. So right now, current year to date, it's saying that we had 22.9. Now, if I slide this, I hate to do that, 23.3 per- inches of precipitation. It doesn't say rain, it's a precipitation. The, the driest year at this point, we're at 23 
1910, we had eight inches. Wow. All year. In the wettest year, 2019, we had 40 inches. Yeah, that wasn't all that long ago. No. Um, it was interesting. I was at an emergency management conference uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and a, a DNR climatologist, I don't know if it's who you talked with, but he gave a really good presentation about Minnesota's climate. And one couple things I took away from that, and it, and it really makes a lot of sense. So you know, global warming or not, you've, we've, we've heard the arguments both ways, but he put up graphs and, and points on a map, or not on a map, on a graph since the 1900s. And it's pretty hard to argue with, he had the peak rainfalls and, and deficits and all of that. And it trend, it is trending upward, not rainfall and temperature. And the other part of it, so temperatures are trending up, but so is rainfall. Now, it's hard to tell us that in the last two years, but if you take in the 100-year-plus span, it's hard to argue with the numbers. And he also, this was, and this made a lot of sense. So when it comes to the global warming part of it, it's, we're not seeing warmer summers. We're seeing warmer winters. And I would agree with that. So, and he got into the technically how CO2 is trapped and when it's released over the poles and that has something to do with uh, everything melting up north and that's where it all accumulates. And uh, I'm not qualified to expand any more on that because it was over my head, but <laughs> it, it made a lot of sense. He said, so what we will continue to see likely, and when they talk about precipitation, we keep hearing that it's going to get warmer and wetter. Well, it's not wetter. It's, but when climatologists talk about moisture and precipitation, it's not always how wet the ground is. It's the, it's the dampness, moisture in the air, just the overall availability of moisture. It has to do with the, the evaporation from the oceans and all the other things that are going on in the world. Uh, but we're going to see, and we've been seeing, more higher dew points more humidity in the summer. That's, that's the, the effect of global warming, he said, right now is warmer winters and wetter summers, wetter being anything from rainfall to dew point and how it makes us feel. Why that made a difference in emergency management is that heat, and we've t we talk about it, heat-related emergencies are, they don't make news a lot and they're not, they don't make new movies about it, but it's, it is, I believe it's the biggest killer weather-wise of people above floods and tornadoes and all those other things that they make movies about and that we see on the news. Heat is tough on human beings and animals and that is a, that's a pretty big thing and it's very predictable where we're going with the warming of the planet. So it was very interesting. Yep, the climatologist I visited with said we've actually, this is our third straight year of being in a drought. We were in a drought in 2021, 2022, and now in 2023, according to him. And it, he, he put up some of these bullet points that marked, you know, here's where we were in this year. And this is dry, and I'm not trying to under, you know, underscore how dry it is. But, boy, when it comes to dry, we're, we've been a lot drier in our, in our past. Mm -hmm. We've been, well, even 1910, you know, set eight inches of precipitation to this point all year. I don't know what the years on either side of that were like, but that's that's a way that's half of what we've gotten here, and we haven't gotten 
hardly anything here. Yeah, they didn't have drought-resistant crops like we got nowadays. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? Good point. That was a bad, bad year back then. Yeah. I I don't think it's been great news when it comes to crops and, and how many bushels per acre we're getting. I think everybody's pretty well under the understanding that it's not going to be a bumper crop. I think I heard on the news that some farmers were happy that there was more out there, the ones that are harvesting, that there's more there than they thought there was going to be. Uh, I know my my neighbor took off a couple cornfields just the other day. I was surprised he was out there doing that already. Uh, but I did not talk to him to see how it was running. Part of me didn't really want to ask him. I didn't want to be a part of that bad conversation or the bad news that he was was going to see. But well, with this climatologist I visited with, and this will be on our midday DNR report today, now the name escapes me, Luigi. Luigi is his name. Anyway, we discussed the fact that a drought is a normal part of the cycle that our climate will see. You know, it's nothing yep. alarming to be in a drought. A drought is a normal thing. But to have three straight years of drought is not a good thing, obviously. Right. I, I think I was listening to you the other day, and you said... The one good thing about drought. Yeah, no mosquitoes. Yeah, mosquitoes. But I would say there's more than one good thing about drought. And I think there's, I don't know how many there are, but being the kind of into wetlands and all that kind of stuff, wetlands, you know, if you're a duck hunter right now and your pond's dry, you're going to you know, throw happy. a rock at me. But it's, a nat, it's, it's good for wetlands to go dry. We actually, when we restored some back in the day, we, we put in water control structures to lower the water level. Uh, we, we've, if you're into things like I am, that's how we control invasives that get into wetlands that degrade the wetlands like bullheads or carp or some of these other types of things that stir up the water. So there, it is a natural cycle. It's a needed cycle. It's, it's, it's healthy for certain ecosystems to go through this. Um, hard for a farmer to... Right. To hear that. And uh, you but there periodically are some, have to burn it off too, right? Yeah, there yeah, there is I mean there there is some benefit to this, but again, it depends on who and what you're into. But um, when it comes to the fire department and this drought, we're we're concerned and we're watching and have been about fires. I did look up the um, state, the DNR puts out a burn what do they call this? I think I wrote it down. The fire danger map for the state. We are in a high category according to the DNR, and I would have not argue that at all. And what that means is fires start easy and spread fast. We are not in a burn ban. The northwest part of the state is in where there's no no permits are allowed, no open burning. You can you can have campfires, but there's no burning the brush pile or any of that stuff. City of Owatonna is in a ban for for watering your lawns till yep. the end of this month. We, when it comes to our area or the rest of the state, we you can still if you have a brush pile, you can call in your permit and it'll be activated and you'll still be able to burn that. Now I would, I would say. Not the best time to burn, you know, in a drought when it's this dry, when there's a, a cornfield that's right next to you that's all dry. So, yeah, even though it's the old saying is even if you can doesn't mean you should. Uh, 
winter's coming, the corn in two months, the cornfield or the bean field, say you're out in the in, out in the county and you want to burn a brush pile, wait for that to be gone. Wait for those fields to be harvested, maybe even tilled. Best case scenario, wait for some snow to get on the ground. It's way less stressful. I've gone to too many fires over the years that were started by either a burn barrel or somebody having a even a legal brush fire. And we get there, the person, their face is all sooted. They're, they, they're, sweat, they're stressed out because they're trying to put out this fire that they're, they have caused and it's gotten into a grass or a corn. It's not hurting anything, but it got out of control and nobody likes to have stuff get away from them. So I've seen people get really stressed out over a fire that got away from them that I, I would bet if we sat down and talked after that, that fire didn't have to happen right then. So my, you know, word from myself is if you don't have to burn something now, just wait for conditions to improve. That being snow um, next year when it greens up. I know some brush piles maybe can't wait, but if I have a brush pile that's been there for years, years and years and years. Another few months with that brush pile isn't going to matter. So I'm not going to burn it because it's around other trees and I don't want to kill those trees. But I can say that that another few months isn't going to make a difference. So be very careful if you need to or want to burn something. Be very, very careful. Yeah. Obviously, don't pick a windy day, right? Yeah. That's one of the things you got to look at. And the wind, a windy day is is hard to define that because when you have uh, corn or you have the dryness that we have and the amount of so I'm looking out your window right now and I see a whole bunch of maple leaves laying over there that doesn't take much wind to blow those. So if one of those happens to be partially on fire and goes tumbling down the road in a light wind even and starts a fire in the ditch or somewhere else, uh, it doesn't have to be a, a gale force wind to be windy, especially this time of the year when there's all kinds of flammable stuff just laying there waiting to spread your fire. Well, Jerry asked me to ask you. He's got a smoke detector, I guess, that keeps going off, and he wanted to know if smoke detectors can go off without smoke. They can. They 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 technically aren't only looking for smoke. Uh, they are looking for particles in the air. So, if you have, it's not so common in a house, but in in commercial fire fire alarm systems, we see it a lot. Um, Shattuck has this before they got all sprinkled or all air conditioned that a high humidity day because that's moisture particulates in the air. If you get enough of those particulates in around one of those alarms, it's going to sense that. So dust, humidity, steam, smoke, all the above, all those that enter into a smoke alarm, it'll go off because it's not only for smoke. So he, he likely has one bad one that's either dirty or maybe it's just not never was good when they made it. They had a bad sensor and is going off, and then they're all interconnected, and one goes off, they all go off. So the hard part with that determining is which trying one to is figure bad. out which one is the guilty party. Yeah. And that's not I've, – I've been a part of that as an electrician and as a firefighter trying to figure that out, and you almost have to be there when it happens and really pick up right away. It was the one in the back bedroom, and then – that's where you start. But sometimes it's a process of elimination. Are we going to visit before Fire Prevention Week? We are not. So I, uh, fire 
Our open house at the fire department is Saturday, October 7th from 10 to 1. So fingers crossed that we have good weather, even though we want it to rain. It's going to rain this weekend by the sounds of it, so we'll take it then. So <laughs> please come out. I'm not, I don't know exactly all the events that we're going to have or all the things that you can do there, but if you've been there before, we always have quite a few things. Um, a lot of the stuff for kids, but there's other stuff giveaways and other things that we have. So please come out and uh, visit us from 10 to 1, Saturday, October 7th. It'll be educational. Yes, and it'll be fun. And you can talk with firefighters and see all of our stuff. We have a lot of cool stuff. Firefighters have a lot of cool stuff. Yes, they do. I get to be a part of a cool thing tomorrow. It might be raining, we'll move it in, but the Electra, Electra Fun out at TriStar tomorrow. So it's a ride and drive event where you can come out and drive an electric vehicle or a bike. You got a bike, tool, electric tools, and drive an electric vehicle. I know that uh, they're going to be out there with an electric bus. Uh, so it's going to be kind of a, it's going to be not kind of, it's going to be a really cool event from 10 to 2 out at TriStar. I'm going to be there. I'm going to try not to be the Debbie Downer of the whole event, but I'm there more on the... Uh, yeah, these batteries are good, but they are they can be a problem. Like we've talked before, they they are a fire hazard. And if not, if even if you do everything right, and I hate to say that and scare people, but so I'll have a table and I'll be there with some examples of what they look like, uh, what the, and some safe ways and some things to watch for when it comes to your everything from your hearing aid to your drills to your cars when it comes to electric batteries. Yep, and you have uh, seen more of those type of fires. Yeah, and I'm going to knock on wood again. That we've went into kind of like the car crashes, even though we had a pretty good one last night on 35. It had nothing to do with construction, but we've we've those have leveled off a little bit. Both crashes and fires from well, fires in general, but from batteries. So not sure why they ebb and flow. It doesn't really have any. I don't see any real pattern with the fire part of it anyway. So, yes, I'm, I'll take it. I'm just glad we're not having any fires. And I don't know if that education is getting out there, if we just had a bad run. I don't know. Yeah. I seem to recall that we had a coworker here one time that unfortunately lost his home to fire, and, and the cause was a battery in a drawer. Yeah, that was I, – I was on duty for that. I remember crawling in and helping extinguish that fire. That was a 9-volt battery in steel wool. So a little bit different, okay. But I guess the lesson with that is don't keep nine volt batteries out of their package. Like when I throw away a nine volt battery, I'll take a piece of electrical tape and go over the top of those two prongs or electrodes, right. yep. Because it's when something lays across there that it becomes energized. So a, an A or a C or a D that has the the electrodes basically on either end of the battery. That's different. That would that would it could still happen, but you'd have to have something touching opposite ends. Where a nine volt battery, they're what a quarter inch apart. You get something across there, and then you get a you get electricity flowing in. In this case, steel wool. So again, keep it in the package yep. or put electrical tape over it. Yeah, electrical tape I do for throwing away, but even in a drawer like with steel wool, electrical tape only covers the top. You can see around. I mean, if you squeeze the tape down, you might be able to totally cover it, but. The best thing is to keep it in the plastic case it came in, the packaging. And these uh, ion 
lithium that are in, you know. Everything. Well, virtually nowadays, yeah. yeah. And didn't you say one time that uh, garage is probably not the place to, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, so the hard part with lithium, I, so a lot of the fires, not all, but a lot of them start when they're charging. So we don't want to charge, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You don't want to charge them in your house because if you charge them in your house and there's a fire, now it's in your house. So you can overcharge these? Is that what I'm hearing? It's, yeah, it's really complicated. But what happens is, is like there's, there's a, in the charger, there's something that senses when it's, when the battery is up to a certain level. And it's not the battery that shuts it off, it's the charger. Well, if that goes bad, it just keeps on charging and keeps on charging. And then the battery gets hot. And on the inside, things start happening that we can't see. If that happens in your house, now you have that smoke and that fire in your house. If it happened in your garage, it's not your house. So that's a little bit better. But the problem with doing it in your garage and maybe even a little bit within your house is that you're likely not out there when this happens. If, you're, if it happens in your house and you start smelling smoke, you can get on it right away. And well, and temperature control is better in the house than the garage typically too, yes. right? Yes, because what damages these batteries are both extreme hot or extreme cold. And it damages it inside where you don't know that it damaged it. It's not like it melted or it froze. You can't see that. It's all inside. And that's the, that's the bummer part about these is there's, not a, there's nothing outside that gives you a warning that, hey, I froze or I got too hot. Yeah, and there's no tester for it. Nope. Nope. That's the troubling part. So we got to be careful with how and where, when we charge them. All right. We've got uh, 40 seconds left. Anything else? Yes. We are going to be hiring paid on call firefighters this winter, probably in the January, late January timeframe. So uh, if you're interested in becoming a paid on call firefighter, I got a list started. Email me, call me, call the station, let us know. And be careful this from here on out. They've already picked the cornfield next to me. So traffic, 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 slow down, watch what you're doing, pay attention, watch out for implements. Awesome. Dusty Deanst. Have a Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.